Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent, with support from our generous subscribers and from Shimano North America. This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 103, Euphoric Recall. Content warning in the clan of the cave bear, we use language that is sometimes brutal and profane. On the cannonball run, we sometimes resort to childish humor. Based on the sounds and smells our frail human bodies make, if you're more of a sound of music sort of person, this might not be your cup of reindeer blood. Take a hike. Thank you for your time and consideration on the matter. I'm Steve. Well, that's Robot. This is a revolting podcast. 103rd episode, January no Feb no uh, November 13th, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, 15th, November 15th, 2013. God damn it, 2023. That's it. That's uh, today. Listeners, it's entirely possible that Steve has been concussed. <laughs> <laughs> Although. Although we we got on here and we're having our little uh, nitter natter chitter chatter session before we start recording, and Steve landed it on this little nugget. He's like, "Oh, I have a funny story." Oh, the thing is, I think I have some brain damage. And then at that point, we were like, "Maybe we should roll the tape." Oh man, it was fucked up. So uh, I have been, I've been pinning it for. Six weeks, seven weeks, like exhaustion, working, and granted, you know, when I say work, I'm not like breaking rocks right now. I am, you know, I was doing the bathroom remodel and then I've been in my studio to a point that is like, it's kind of like an obscene amount. That's all I'm doing. I'm waking up, I'm eating, I'm going there and I'm spending eight, 10, 14 hour days and Friday evening, this was whatever today is, five days ago, four days ago, something like that. Um, I went upstairs to the bar where I am also employed, and I drank uh, a can of beer. Maybe I had two cans of beer. But I uh, wrapped it up and came home, and uh, I then I'm standing in my, in my kitchen, and I've got this neoprene bag with that I like keep cords in and you know for like devices and battery chargers and stuff or yeah battery packs and I come to and I'm all of a sudden I'm standing there I've got a pitcher I've got a measuring cup of water and I'm pouring water into this neoprene bag and I was like what the fuck is this <sighs> and it was something it felt it was like uh, that scene in Step Brothers where they're sleepwalking and they're throwing all the presents in the oven yeah it was like that and I was like whoa fuck that's weird and so then I go, I got to pee and I got to brush my teeth. Um, and I walk into this other room that's not the bathroom and I'm standing there like all of a sudden I'm, I don't know what I'm doing in here. Like this isn't a place to be. So I'm like, fuck, dude, just pull it together. You're like 10 steps from your bed. Just go bathroom, pee, brush your teeth. Next thing I know, I'm brushing my teeth with hand lotion and I'm just going, what the fuck is going on? wash my mouth out. It tastes not good as you might imagine. And then I imagine. Uh, brush yeah. my teeth and then I go to sleep. But I have a, uh, I have a massage the next morning <clears throat> and, um, my, uh, massage therapist says, um, he goes, well, dude, your neck is like a rock. Like your neck muscles are actually pinching your carotid artery. You're, you're like restricting blood flow to your brain. And I said, sort of laughing. And I was like, would that explain why I might explain why I brushed my teeth with hand lotion last night? And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? And I'm like, that would explain that and why you have a toothbrush sticking out of your butt. Stress, stress <laughs> and, uh, lack of sleep and, <clears throat> um, like long hours. I don't know at all. Just kind of. It all kind of uh, created this perfect storm, and he worked on me and kind of loosened up my neck, but uh, 
Yeah, man. We a weird. I was talking to my friend Kristen, and she when she gets really stressed out, she she actually does sleepwalk, and she said that she'll you know wake up in the morning and the kitchen has been completely dismantled and all the pots and pans will be out that sort of thing. Like it's pretty bad, uh, so much so that when she does time away from her home where she's not where her husband is, she basically has to lock herself in her bedroom mm. so she doesn't go wandering off like it is this complete disassociation. Um, so yeah, and maybe not brain damage, but I definitely had a event that threw me kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah. It was funny the next day, but the more I thought about it and certainly since I talked to the massage therapist, I realized that I, there's like, there's something going on. I don't think I'm, managing stress quite as well as I, I think I am. Well, it seems you've been arting so hard. And, <laughs> and, it, and that's ridiculous. It's like, oh, you're, you're just, re, you know, you're just recreating. Your art is no, fun. It's therapy no, or whatever. That's your work, right? So, and you've been, um, you know, uh, maniacal. You've been maniacal about it. And oh, your work is small. And very detailed. So I could imagine you're you're like hunched and like clenched because, you know, you can't screw up those details repairs. Are, so this doesn't this doesn't really surprise me. Uh, it's always, I mean, it surprises me that you brush. Well, I, it doesn't surprise me. You brush your teeth with hand lotion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know you. Uh <laughs> It just—it's always been all. My work's always been pretty small, though. It's always been pretty detail-oriented. I think it's the filing and the sanding and the sawing, like I'm doing all these little boxes with all this masonite, all these pieces, and it's really tiny stuff. And that might be the—that might be why. Um, a bulk of why I'm kind of physically fucked up. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is all new territory. Anyway, uh, so, you know, today's a new day and uh, got to keep breathing through it. You said you were still a little sick. Oh, I've been dead on my feet for a week. I started to feel better yesterday afternoon, which just means that I stopped feeling dead inside. Um, I still... People will hear me hacking and spluttering. Um, I am still completely m mucosoidally um, compacted. We'll take that. I yeah. I uh, last week I said food based vitamin C, like a lot of it, and yin chow. We're a week in. Didn't do either of those things. I did the food based vitamin C. I just you were texting me yesterday. You were saying fine you were basically like fine i won't try to help you anymore if you can't follow basic instructions <laughs> and i was still feeling bad and i was basically just like first of all just let me i'm die. not good at following instructions period mm -hmm. there's something in my soul actually that even when i believe the instructions will lead me to a better place fuck you i don't take instructions <laughs> Well, next time you got to get on it. I woke up uh, two days ago. Well, and today, and I had like a little. I got some stuff in my lungs right now, but I was, as I mentioned, I was breathing a lot of masonite dust, and it's not just regular dust. It's not the kind of dust that you know, like gets stuck in your nose, and you. It's like, it's like a vapor. It's so fine. And I didn't have a respirator with me. I did bring a respirator and I've been using that, but I still think I kind of, I kind of fucked myself. Uh, but also like there's, you know, like 11 new strains of COVID and there's the flu and there's cold and everybody's, everybody's sick right now in some I, way, shape or I, form. I did finally read about the new COVID and I went down the list of um, symptoms and I was like, oh, this is exactly what I have been feeling. Although I will say... Since March 2020, um, COVID is like a black hole of, you know, it's like you tweak your shoulder and you're like, ah, I'm pretty sure that's COVID. I think that's <laughs> I know. part of, I know. you know, it's like, it's like a congestion, headache, aches, pains, gigantism of the penis, uh, toenail ingrowns, 
yeah. etc. And you're like, yeah, I got all of those things. Or Definitely I just COVID. Or yeah, or I just have a flu and a big oh. dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I was like, I was like, oh, I just have the flu and I'm a big dick. <laughs> Have you, I don't know if it's up yet, but have you seen the new Bobby Fingers video? I have not seen it yet. I was I so, uh, what's that? No, no, please. I was so, I'm so entranced by this guy's output and I've sent him randomly. I've sent him money because I, I've derived such enjoyment out of watching this guy's videos and looking at the art that he makes that I, um, I just sent him money. I'm like, I can't do a Patreon thing, but here's, you know, 50 bucks. And then I signed up for Patreon because you get sneak peeks and you get advanced viewings of the video. So I've seen, he has two new videos in this, of the, of this new piece that he's made. And I've watched both of them in the last two days. I've watched them both twice. Um, for those who don't know, Bobby fingers is this, I, I believe he's an Irish cat. And he is so indescribably talented and so funny. And he, he makes these incredible pieces of artwork and then buries them somewhere for people to go find. And there are hints in amongst the video. Uh, the first one was a Mel Gibson diorama, which was next level. It was and a then, diorama of Mel Gibson's DUI arrest. Yeah, right. Yeah. The longitude and latitude, as it turns out, were uh, 3D printed on one of the cop on one of the police cars tires. So that was how that one was ultimately found. The second one was from a story about Steven Seagal getting beat up on set of one of his movies. Uh, the third one was Michael Jackson's hair catching on fire during the filming of the Pepsi ad in whatever, 1988. Yeah, uh, and they really need to be watched in order because the Mel Gibson one is just an introduction to this guy's fucking genius. The Steven Seagal one is unbelievably funny, and and then that sort of leads into the Michael Jackson one, and now the newest one, which I'm not gonna even hint a whiff of, uh, is fucking incredible. Um, I, I don't understand. If there was not, I've said this from the beginning, I discovered him shortly after the Mel Gibson video came out. If there was nothing else on the internet, I would be totally satisfied with just Bobby fingers output. It's <laughs> that fucking good. I've watched each of his videos and they're about an hour long. I mean, it, it takes a while to get through. So I'm constantly telling like, don't let your short attention span short change you. Like, don't put this on and be like, well, I'm going to watch it and I'll just listen to it and make breakfast or whatever. There is so, there are so many subtleties, so much fucking power in this guy's effort. It just blows my mind. There, I, well, I agree with you. Uh, I have not seen the new one yet, obviously, but the mix of extremely high level technical artistic ability mm -hmm. with, um, filmmaking mm -hmm. genius with this searingly dry humor uh it's it really is like to put all of it together is amazing and so they're both like breathtaking in the creative artistry part and a fucking hilarious the narration and the jokes that he puts in and just delivers them dead flat. Mm -hmm. It, it yeah. checks every one of my boxes. Like I don't, I don't understand the, the, the stuff, the technical end of things. It's just, I, it just blows. It blows my fucking mind that this guy does <clears throat> and can do. And it's not like he's experimenting. Like I mean, it doesn't seem so anyway. It's he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what each tool's capable of. He's like, I mean, and this new one is it's breathtakingly good. It it it's just it fucking blew my mind. And yeah. and and he's replied to messages from me. I mean, that's the other thing is this dude 
This dude has to be awake 24 hours a day to make this shit. It took him seven months to make this new video. And it is, it is, it is, it's perfection. And yet he'll still like reply to messages and he's just a normal fucking dude. He's a normal. And that's kind of what I love about him too, is he seems like a totally normal guy, like somebody I would be friends with. Yet I am just in awe of, of what he does. Yeah. It's really something. And it's, you know, like now anymore, I've been for a year, I've been, um, singing this guy's praises. And then every now and again, I'll like send a message to somebody and be like, have you heard, have you seen the Bobby fingers? Do you know Bobby fingers? And they're like, no, what, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, ah, fuck it. I mean, if you're not picking up what I'm laying down by now, maybe it's just not your cup of tea. Uh, but why did I start talking about that? He's great. <laughs> because he's great. Today is his new videos out. Uh, I think. Yeah. I thought about it YouTube. this morning. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that I'm gonna, cause I'm starting to feel better now. I was like, I'm going to make some good food for dinner and sit down with Bobby fingers. Yeah. That sounded, that sounds wrong. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Art, man. Uh, I think that's what I was going to say is arts. Arts. Cool. Hey, art. Uh, you want to do shout outs? You got so many shout outs. I got so many shout outs here uh, because I, I'm my heart's filled with love, Steve. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. wait, before you get into all your list member last week, I said Zane had sent me a record and I couldn't remember the name of the record. Yeah, that doesn't really do his effort in sending this to me any any uh, justice or really doesn't help the band at all. But it was a band called Beast Wars. And the record's called Tyranny of Distance. And it came all the way all the way from New Zealand. Uh, very thoughtful gesture. So, well, Zane, Zane has you, been Zane. in touch with me and has secured my address because he says he has a, a, a long playing record album for me also. Hmm, might be. I wonder if it's the same or we're just and I am the... going to New Zealand in January. So, oh, you fun. know, if Zane plays his cards right, there could be a hand job in it for him. <laughs> uh, we're on the Zane. We're on the Zane record record club. Yeah. Charter members of the oh. Zane record club. Oh, um, speaking of artists, we both really love and, and hot tips, uh, before we get, and then I'll get right into shout outs, but Christian Lembach from, uh, one of my very favorite bands, whores has started a new Instagram account called records of the week. Hmm. W E E K so, or W E A K. Uh, I don't know. I'll hook you up with it. Okay. I'll, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, basically he posts one record that he really loves every week. And, and I can tell you that, um, a lot of the music I listen to, not a lot, some percentage of the music I listen to is already coming from stuff that he posts online. Cause he has really good taste. His, his band is great, but he has good taste in music. He has broad taste in music and you might want to check out, uh, records of the week. Okay. Uh, but now... Jeez. I'll get, yeah. Don't have to yell about it. Oh, sorry. So now I'll get right into shout outs. Uh, first, Hayden Stone, thanks for sending me Rickshaw Billy's Burger Patrol, which is a band uh, which doesn't sound to me like they would be good, but are. Uh, and for hanging in there when times got tough in the bike industry. Wink, wink. When you work for those big companies, sometimes they suck your soul out through your butthole. Yeah, it still is also tough times in the bike industry. Very tough. Uh, shout out John Wares for listening to every episode like the sadist that he is. Oliver Beckers for pointing out that Warren's Cherry Pie is not a very good song. Thanks, Oliver, because the jury was out. John, John Ben, uh, we see you, John Ben. Thanks for being you. And finally, the Shimano OG, Liz Ashley, for putting up 171 miles in 12 hours. At a at a, a recent time trial championship, which proves you can be a rad human being and a divine hammer on the bicycle as well. We love you, Liz. Liz is she is such a peach. I don't think I've ever like crossed paths with her in person. We know a ton of people. We are adjacent to one another, and we know a ton of people in common. And she has been um, 
kind of our contact, not our, not the specific contact with Shimano, but has definitely been like the den mother with all of the Shimano comings and goings that we've done. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's fucking awesome. I think she's the peach and the cobbler mm. and the whipped cream on top. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. So thank you. Thank you to all of those people. And especially heartfelt. Thank you to Liz. Uh, so now we will get on to music pick of the week and get an ad spot and then we'll get dive into whatever. We'll dive into whatever. Everyone's looking forward to that. What a teaser. <laughs> um, my music pick this week is the 1999 record album. I see a darkness from Bonnie Prince Billy, who's also known as Will Oldham, and also known as Palace Music, and also known as the Palace Brothers. Did you have any association with Red Red Meat? I, I don't get know. so confused. There's this era of like lo-fi stuff, and that you know, and that little point where he sort of Palace Brothers kind of came out of that, and I, the tendrils, of the family tree is all over the place. I could never keep track. Yes. So anyway, okay. I see a darkness. Let's talk about it. Uh, you know, it's a, um, I'm not, uh, super familiar with his whole canon of work. There's a shit ton of it. Um, what I know about him is, uh, he writes this pretty interesting folk music and this particular record came to me from my buddy George, who's dead. Um, and I like it both because I like the record, uh, but also because it uh, reminds me of George. It's, I w- it's a very minor key record. It's a very, it's, it's called I See a Darkness. It does have a darkness to it, but it's also really, um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing okay not the kind of thing not the kind of not not like going out music this is contemplative that's it on the floor and think about life yeah think about the absurdity of life type of music i think that's right okay uh conversely but not really (laughs) but sort of because i got a fucking story Cause I got a story about fucking everything, everything. That's why uh, we love you. That's why your box office band called slow from San Jose, California, uh, 2017, they put out an EP called goodbye moon, which is on their band camp. And I have, I so wish that there were more songs. It is. I fucking love it. I've been listening to it like on repeat and that doesn't happen very much, but it's like when the fourth song ends, Back to the first song. Fourth song ends. Back to the first song. Now, how I came about knowing about this band, I think they 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 uh, they had like a song on a sessions e uh, compilation or something like that. I can't remember. I was living in Santa Cruz at the time, or there was like a comp CD or a uh, like a promo CD that went out or something, and I was like, eh, it's good, you know, it's good, but it's. This is an, at an era when like bands like Far from Sacramento or uh, Knapsack from Davis. It was this very specific kind of sound that came from the Bay Area, and um, Slow was kind of lumped into that, and it was good. And I didn't really pay him any mind, but they had the sticker. I got the sticker, and it's got this little superhero guy with goggles and this funny cowl like pointy finger finger tendril things coming off the top and i was really captivated by this drawing and i had made uh subsequently i made maybe a dozen drawings and paintings of a similar sort of unassuming hero type of character uh and then most recently i revisited this theme with the one of my newest shadow boxes posted it on the internet told a little story about slow and this drawing that has kind of captivated me for a couple of decades. Slow reaches out to me. The artist who did it reaches out to me. Uh, he's living down in Temecula and he's like, Hey, let's have a show together. So that was fucking weird. But I went back and I started listening to slow again for the first time again. And there in this most recent night, one of the guys lives in Portland and, um, uh, 
and they yeah they get back together periodically and make music and they made this four song ep called goodbye moon i think it's goodbye goodnight moon goodbye moon that is uh it's just stellar and it has even like a there's a diamond head it's got this weird diamond head old english metal band quality like it's it i can't the first time i heard it i i, I went what <laughs> and then the second and all of the other times I've listened to it, I'm just fucking just captivated. So we're going to, we always put links to the music. This is S L O E. Yeah. Sorry. S L O E. And it's, there's another like electronic project somewhere called slow, but this is, I think it's like slow band at band camp or something like that, but they have three records. They have the first LP, second LP, and then the the EP that they recorded, and I'm just fucking giddy, giddy, giddy. I want more. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, I love that um, experiential arc where you listen to a thing and you're like, "What the fuck?" But there's within that "What the fuck?" There's there's like this curiosity, right? It's not a "What the fuck?" Get this away from me. It's a "What the fuck?" I need to understand this better. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and this is I, I you know I wish like to to say to refer to Diamond Head anybody who knows Diamond Head will be that's a what the fuck all into itself because they're kind of a guilty pleasure. Uh Diamond Head was a basically like Metallica played like seven Diamond Head songs on Kill 'Em All um in Metallica style, but then you listen to Diamond Head and it's huge, it's really catchy. But it's heavy and it's sing-songy but it's not sugary. It's just, it's just, it's like a perfect shape. I, I don't know. Um, you know what they say? The first four diamond head records are so good. And then after <laughs> that, <laughs> um, I just, I, let's see, uh, you know, and I, and, and I think about, we always talk about the pebble in the water. Like you don't know where the waves are going and whoever decided to put this drawing, the guy that made the drawing and whoever put, decided to put the drawing on the sticker and this has resonated with me for so long and it's influenced me for so long. And it's just a fucking sticker. It's a postage stamp sized graphic. And now here we are talking about it in this medium that didn't even exist when the drawing was originally done. You know, I just, it just fucking, I think it's fucking rad. Just goes to show that it doesn't, you don't have to have immediate, uh, a response or reaction to something that you do. It can be something that you put out there that you believe in, that you like, and it's going to come back in 22 years. And, and somebody's going to say, you blew my mind. This one little thing that you did changed the trajectory of what I do for the better. And, um, I don't know. It just kind of goes to show that, uh, you always, it's important to be mindful of, of your output and not, not to be careless or not to take for granted that something that you do might impact someone else somewhere else. And you might be lucky enough to learn about it someday or maybe not either way, either way feels good to feel good. Uh, so now let's take a word from our sponsor and we will be right back. Revolting is brought to you in part by Shimano North America and their new GRX 12 speed mechanical group set. Shimano is the originator of gravel-specific components, and the new GRX Mechanical is the next step in their evolution. Rooted in simplicity, reliability, and adventure, the new GRX lineup offers three unique 12-speed mechanical drivetrain options, along with unrivaled ergonomics without an over-the-top price. Available in two different one-by chainring options and one two-by chainring option, the new GRX 12-speed mechanical delivers the freedom to choose how and where to ride. Money, and we're back. Money. What are, what are we talking about today? Well, let me tell you, steve <laughs> Many of us of a certain age cling to... This is... This is just off the top of my head what I think we're talking about. 
Many of us of a certain age cling to the idea that things used to be better than they actually were. For example, we wax nostalgic about seeing Repo Man for the first time in Trisha Thomas's living room in 1985, R.I.P. Trisha, but forget that Ronald Reagan was busy, busy ruining the world at the time. Or we revel in memories of buying flannels for a buck each at the Amvets on Brighton Avenue, then copping five good used records for 12 bucks right across the street. But forget that we were also sloshing about in the final days of alcoholism that whole time. So today is about recalling some of our fondest memories and then ruining them with some small dose of reality. Okay. I don't think these things don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can recognize that, yeah, they were there was an there was a real palpable innocence And in the good old days, um, but you also recognize because you were socially conscious that shit was, the world was on fire. You didn't know how on fire it was going to become because of uh, the politics of that era, but you knew that it wasn't good and you knew that you wanted to engage. Um, so it's, you know, like I look back on. I look back on all of my fond memories uh, fondly, but also know that, you know, my mental health was not good or my perspective on politics or the environment or whatever. Like there's all, it's all a balance. It's all yin and yang. It's good and bad. It's half full, half empty, all at the same time. I think that is... I mean, that's the whole point. This is the whole point, And you just crystallized it. And we can just wrap this thing up early. But I, I agree. I think that there's so many aspects of life where two opposing things are true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking with my wife just this morning about the year we've had. She lost her mom and her stepmom. Uh, we sent our kid, first kid away to school. Our dog died. It's like been a very hugely emotional year. Has it also been a good year? Yeah. Um, and a lot of uh, the way we talk about our lives tends to be uh, binary. You know, it's good or it's bad. Um, but what seems really true is... Oh, life is really good. I mean, all of this pretty challenging shit is going on. (laughs) But simultaneously, life is pretty good. It's hard not to get a little bit of... um, mm, I can't think of the term. It's when things are good, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. You know, there's a little bit of... uh, you're you're constantly kind of a, a feeling a little bit triggered because you know like when's when am I going to get beat? You know like oh life has left me alone for a little while, but but it's, the storm's coming because it always does. You know, um, and and I think that that's kind of been my challenge is that things got rough, things got rough, and then they got really 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 rough. Uh, all things considered though, I recognize that I had my health and my family and my friends, uh, had their health, uh, save for those who didn't. And, um, and I was trying to kind of keep, just trying to keep things in perspective. And sometimes I guess that's all one can do. Um, but that has been my challenge in sort of transitioning out of this emotional shitstorm that is that like, okay, cool. I've kind of got my feet under me, but how solidly, you know, uh, and I don't know if, I don't know if you experience the same thing, like, okay, yeah, that's, we got brighter days ahead, but then when brighter days come and you're like, oh fuck now what, you know, like you're almost suspicious of, feeling good. I don't have that. My wife will often say when things are going well, that she's waiting, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't have that. I'm pretty good at feeling good when good feeling is available to be felt. 
mm-hmm. pretty pretty good at that. And just and just owning that and immersing in that and and knowing that like well this is like this is all there is to feel right now because this is all there is. So don't worry about all the other shit. The potentials well, there's or that, possibilities. But I think also on a fundamental level, I don't believe that one thing is really related to the other. You know what I mean? Like a good thing happens that is mutually exclusive. A bad thing may then happen, but they're not related. There's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like that, you know, and I'll, I'll express it in negative terms just so people don't think I'm being Pollyanna about this. Like a bad thing happens to you and someone says, well, you know, it can't get worse. It fucking can. I mean, life, life will jack you up. Uh, and, and similarly, you know, like you think I've never had a better day than this, but you may yet have the, a better one tomorrow. Like, I just don't see the. I don't see those things being uh, connected, so I don't dread the bad thing that follows the good. I'm I'm better at it. Uh, I'm better at, I think, being it, just good with the good thing. But having said that, and I think this is part of what today's talk is about is that you know our lives and our concept of our lives is a story we tell ourselves right like when you tell the story of the late 80s early 90s it takes a certain shape in your head now but that story has been edited like one million times Mm -hmm. and so like i I have this super fond, I have these super fond memories of living in Alston in, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. And there was just music everywhere and bands and it was super fun. And I bought all my clothes for a dollar at the thrift shop. And there was the used bookstore and, you know, my wife and I were just getting together and everything was hot and heavy and awesome. And I've edited out a lot of like the interpersonal conflict details because they're just not that useful to me. It doesn't mean they didn't happen. It's just a, it's just not that useful to me anymore. So I've edited that edited that stuff out of the story. And I think this is this is a superhuman um, tendency is to constantly be editing the stories of ourselves to suit whatever purposes we have in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why, but the words perception and perspective kind of come to mind immediately. And, you know, we have, we have a perception and a perspective of our own stories and our own experiences. And while they may be pretty accurate, it's not, it's only the way that we see it. It's not actually ever the way it it really, really happens. There's a there's a bunch of different ways that it can be looked at simultaneously, not just not just by us, but also the people around us. And um, I don't know, to try to retain a degree of. Honesty, pragmatism, is that both is that uh I think it's a it's a really healthy thing to hold on to. Maybe not always realistic or or easy rather, but it's it's always a practical concept to try to cling on to. I think so. I mean, I think I think one of the lies we tell ourselves is that there is some um totally objective unemotional observer of every moment that preserves the true record of what happened. Mm-hmm. And and that just doesn't exist. Uh, I don't want to say there is no truth. What I mean to say is, you know, there there are multiple truths which overlap to some degree in the Venn diagram, but they're all based on, uh, you know, the person observing the moment. Well, like Dr. Phil says, no matter how flat you make a pancake, there's always going to be two sides. Oh, man. Dr. Phil, coming in with the real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So I got a question for you. And again, you know, <laughs> this is just off the top of my head. When you think back on that magical time of early adulthood, when you first became independent and began to explore the great wide world, what year is it? And what did it look like? What was good about it? 
Oh, just off I mean, the just, top of your head? That's just, such a thoughtful question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think a, a large part of the basis of this show from episode one to this one is you and I having this similar experience in our early 20s related to punk rock everyone everyone around us like exploding into their whatever their fully realized identity like i don't know i'm i'm i ha i do have this euphoric recall and i'm friends i'm still friends with so many of these people but like when we were when we were living the legends that we re retell now like my buddy mark getting the bloody nose because i hit him in the face with a wiffle ball bat and then him smearing blood all over his face and <laughs> screaming up and down you know like that time of life uh you know what are we we're like 20 or 24 or i don't know something like that and we bought a car for a hundred bucks and oh we dented it but then we tied a rope around a tree and pulled the dent out of the bumper and i don't know it's a pretty fucking magical time well they're all really formative experiences you're having all of these that you're experiencing you're like in immersing yourself in this independence um uh developing your own personality developing your own style and having all of these experiences for the first time getting to go to see bands for the first time legally uh and and what what kind of comes to my <clears throat> mind while we're describing this is that there's something really uh, honest about um, trying to maintain always having formative experiences uh, or, yeah. or, or enjoying what those formative experiences can still be. You know, like I've been going to see bands for over half of my life, well over half of my life. And there's this little underswell of DIY punk shows that are happening at this DIY park here in town. And they're kind of word of mouth. And I went to one the other night and it was just like, fuck man, this is still so exciting. It still feels so good to be in a place where the energy is kind of electric and I hate the idea of burning out on these things that bring me joy, even though they were, it was new to me 30 years ago, but it still feels really good. So how do you hold on to that? You know, big, big trips and, and car purchases and whatever, that's all formative stuff. And it's kind of adulthood. I don't know. That shit. I don't have the money for car purchases or house purchases or anything. So I don't know what any of that is like getting married. That was a huge thing for me. Like, but, but, but I guess sort of what I'm thinking about is, is every day that you get to do something that you love, however big or small, that should hopefully be as impactful as the first time it ever happened for you. Does that, did I go anywhere with that? No, I think you, you really, you really did capture it. That was fucking magic. Though those were formative experiences. Like early adulthood is basically like getting, like if you went to college, you got out of college and you were responsible for yourself. Or if you didn't go and you just like moved out of your parents' house and got a job you know, you're, you're dealing with stuff for the first time and you are fucking, you're creating this lifestyle from kind of nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is super fun and super exciting. And the thing is, you know, we, we are both North of 50, but like life, you're right. Like life still has all of those opportunities. It still uh, feels really good to me to, I still really love the things that I've always loved. I still, you know, I think about like if I could meet my 13 year old self, if my 13 year old self would walk up and say like, you, you like all the same things I like. You like punk rock. You like loud music. You like skateboarding. 
You like riding bikes. You like playing in the woods. You like playing in creeks. You yeah. dunk your head in the creek. I dunk my head in creeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I hit the fucking bullseye out, out of the chute. And I've been, I mean, my, per, my parameters or my perspectives have opened up uh, considerably since I was that kid. But I think it's still, all those things still bring me such elation. Um, shit, man. I, I think I have a slightly <laughs> different story, which is that I discovered all the things you discovered. But at some point in adulthood, sometime after I, I gave Mark Weaver a bloody nose, I don't know how much long after, I started to think I was supposed to stop doing a bunch of that stuff. Start acting like a grown-up, because that's what society tells us we're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And I really let myself... And I don't have regrets about it. I let myself, you know, wear nicer shirts and get better jobs. Better. I don't know what that means. I guess it means more money. I guess I went down that, that, that road, which is fine. You know, like I own a home. I, again, I don't have regrets about it, but I don't, I do think I let myself become sort of jaded and I went off into the, what I would call the wilderness of adulthood, which is fucking no fun. It's very low fun where you just do the things you're supposed to do all the time. And it wasn't until, how old am I now? It was a little over 10 years ago that I was like, you know what? This fucking blows. And I don't want to, I, I literally had the idea. I don't want to, this is not the example I want to set for my kids. that that adulthood is shitty i you know i had a conversation with my dad and i was like i didn't follow no career i don't have career i don't have savings i don't have 401k i don't have a house i don't have like i kind of like had some of that stuff and then i got flicked and now i don't have any of those things he said do you have any regrets and i said no i don't i couldn't have done it any other way yeah, you know, like this was the life that chose me, um, and I just hope that I don't, you know, die alone in an alley, freeze to death, being homeless. You know, like I have friends around me, and I have people who care about me around me. Like that's in the really alley. What I, if that's where I'm at, you know, <laughs> like body heat's body heat's good too. Yeah, oh, cuddles. Uh, yeah. But but uh, back to back to my but, but I kind of got distracted with the thirteen year old and the and the fifty three year old me meeting each other. Um, but I was just thinking about like, I suppose I was just thinking about like still finding such joy in in the things that have always brought me joy. And if you can find joy in the things that have always brought you joy, all of the trappings. All of that stuff is just extraneous nonsense. It's just noise. Well, that's what I think what I discovered at some point I was like, Oh, I sort of like shook off. I think I had been in denial. I, I had been doing these jobs that I hated. And I, I think at some point I was like, Oh, you've just been in denial. Like that. This is okay for you that you find this, this is awesome. And you need to like plow your energy back into the stuff, you know, you like, Mm-hmm. And, and even, even up to recently, um, you know, I went through a bunch of years where I rode bikes this way and I rode bikes that way. And I was trying real hard to be good at bikes or I was trying to be cool at bikes or I was trying to be something at bikes. Uh, but really now when I go out on the bike, it's exactly like my 10 year old self that used to like just roll out going nowhere in particular on a BMX and just jumping curb cuts and uh, looking for rain ditches, culverts to ride through, or that I'm riding more like that now. And it, at first, I was like, "Oh, you're just being a goofball today." And I was like, "No, this is exactly how you're supposed to ride bikes. You're supposed to. This is play. You're supposed yeah. to be playing." Yeah. 
Or that's exactly how you're supposed to ride bikes. Everybody, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's not my... To, not to project, but I agree. You know, let's talk about a kid in a vacant lot, like building jumps and doing power slides and, you know, like wheelies. And it's just like, just goofy, just goofy shit. I love it. Um, we didn't really get to the, like... Uh, the question that you posed when you think back on the magical time when you first became independent, what year was it? What year was it? Probably, probably starting about 91. Yeah. 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 I agree. I'd say even a little bit earlier. I'd say 80, I'd say 89, 89 to 2003. That's, that's what year it was. <laughs> Um, um, well, every, everything was good about it and everything was ter about, terrible about it all simultaneously. That's a fact. That is a fact. I remember I had this one bedroom, one of my first apartments. I had a bedroom. It was not a, a legal bedroom. It had, it didn't have, uh, you know, this is Boston. It gets cold here. It didn't have a radiator, but it had the pipe going to someone else's radiator running through it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's the, uh, automatically you don't have to pay the heating bill because you're just getting like the, the side effects. Yeah. You didn't uh, get any, so you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> I remember uh, a lot about that time. I was cold all the time. Like my feet yeah. were always cold. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think everybody probably has the, the, the experience of like, yeah, my room was the crawl space under the stairs or I slept in a, like a shelf in someone's closet or, <laughs> right. you know, uh, I have a, a lot of those, a band, like fucking condemned bars. I lived in a condemned bar. I lived in a crawl space. Yeah. Uh, I never lived in anyone's closet. Um, but I, I did have you know times where it's just like you're just on the floor like that's your bed yeah i i think there was a bunch of times there was a period in my life it was probably during that period where regularly i would walk into you know maybe there was a big closet and i'd be like i definitely had the thought you could put a mattress in here <laughs> sure build a shitty little loft and then you got like it's like two rooms yeah. that you can't stand up in that's right. Instead of just one that you sort of can stand up in. So, okay, uh, moving on to question two, if we haven't broached this, uh, why do you think it's so important for the human psyche to, to elide the elide 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 the messy, shitty, challenging details from memory? Is it proof that we are all by design optimists, choosing to see the best parts of our lives more clearly than the worst? Uh, I don't. I. I try to keep everything kind of on the same level. Uh, you always relish in the great shit, unless you're a masochist, and then you relish in the shitty shit. And then the great shit sort of falls by the wayside, and you're like, oh, woe is me. Like, I've definitely gone through times not so very long ago where I was like, holy shit, man. I have this amazing house. I have this amazing partner. I recognize all of this stuff, but like, will, will, I wish life would just give me a fucking break for a second. Like I feel punch drunk, you know, there's death and illness and this and that, and the next thing. And like, when is this going to just, I just want a breather, you know, yeah. Yeah. um, recognizing all of, all of the blessings, but, but just feel, just feeling kind of beat beat down by existence. Um, but, but anymore, I mean, mostly these days I recognize, I try to keep, it's just to keep, keep an equal focus on, on everything. I see you shitty shit over there. Fucking stay there. I see that you exist. Not today. And all the good stuff, like, yeah, this is badass. But it's all around you all the time. Yeah, I think I, I think I have the balance slightly different. When I, times in my life when I've struggled most with depression, I definitely wallow in the shitty shit. I yeah. definitely have had such long, delicious pity parties for myself, um, and ignored most of the good stuff. But now I think I'm actually. 
I would say that I'm constructively in denial. I was talking to um, a buddy of mine, Chris, that owns a bike shop in the Bay Area yesterday, and he's going through some stuff. Um, and I was like, you know, I like Django, my dog died over the summer and he had cancer and the vet said he's going to die of this cancer. And then the vet said he's got about three weeks to live. And every time she was like, oh, he's going to die of this cancer. He's got about three weeks. I was like, nah, he's fine. He's my guy. And then like three weeks later, he died. Uh, turns out she was real good at her job and, <laughs> and, but I was protecting myself. Like I loved every day with him. Mm-hmm. I loved snuggling on the couch with him. He smelled bad and I loved his bad smell and he told great jokes and I laughed about them all the time and I was just in denial. And part of me is like, oh, you sap, you were in denial. You should have been paying closer attention. Actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I enjoyed my last days with Django better because I was in denial. Now, when he did die, it hit me real hard because I had been in denial. But yeah, I'm sort of like, I'm sort of like focus on the good things and pretend the the bad things aren't happening or aren't a problem. Sometimes that's just a measure of protection. Could be, you know, I had a, I remember when, when we, when my partner and I moved into our house and this was, I don't know, 13 years ago. And we moved in and I said, and my, one of my first thoughts was, this is the place where this is where buddy's going to die. Like I can't, I can't just be like, what a badass house. What a badass life. I immediately, and I've worked really hard to keep these these reactions these responses in check but like why the fuck would you why would you do that why is that i was so paralyzed by the notion that he was gonna die he was gonna die eventually in my lifetime probably um that like it i in a way it kind of made every day a little bit more of a gift because I knew that it wasn't going to be a forever thing. And that was my initial reaction is like, I've got, I'm going to be here th- with him to the end of him. But, uh, it didn't, I don't know where I was going with that. It didn't serve me at all to with, hold on to that. With the dog I had before Django, Eddie, Eddie turned 13 and I was like, oh fuck, 13's old for a dog. Mm. Eddie, like I don't have much longer with Eddie. And it gave me anxiety every single day until Mm -hmm. he died basically a year later. And I was also crushed then. Uh, But I was, I didn't didn't need to be, I didn't need to do that pre-grieving for him, I don't think. I don't think that's very healthy. But it is like, it's, it's realistic. It's, I, I, it's totally relatable. Um, yeah, yeah. I think one no, experience that, informs the other. Help. Right. Yeah. I think w- despite whatever self-deprecating things we say about ourselves, I think we actually are getting more emotionally intelligent. We are getting wiser over time and we are treating the things that come at us, the good and bad in life more productively, more respectfully than we did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. This is we like you and me like present company, not like society. No, not like society. (laughs) Okay. All right. I just want to make sure the society is a fucking mess. No. Yeah. I don't talk to those people if I can help it. (laughs) Uh, All right. We're running out of time a little bit. So we'll hit the last one, not related to anything that we've talked about today, but would you rather have your favorite food uh, tastes like the Benny Hill show theme song or that your favorite band sounded like Hidden Valley Ranch. I think if a band sounded like Hidden Valley Ranch, they would sound like Nickelback. And um, I don't, I don't hate Nickelback. I like, I like ranch dressing and I like Nickelback. I don't own any of their music, but when I listen to it, it doesn't repel me like, uh, 
Creed, Hate Creed, uh, Limp Biscuit. Like there's some music that just doesn't it doesn't work for me at all. But Nickelback, that they're they're not one of the bands. They I think they they get a lot of they get a lot of hate, but man, they can write the fuck out of some pop songs. I mean, I think so. This on the face of it, this is a real whim whimsical uh, would you rather. But I agree. Hidden Valley Ranch is delicious, and the Benny Hill Show theme song. It just makes you, it's just tearful. It just makes you. That would taste like pickles. Like pickles. See, I was thinking birthday cake. It's that to me, it sounds like a, like a, a birthday cake. (laughs) Okay. Um, To me, this is a win-win. I think I would be fine if my favorite food tasted like the Benny Hill show song. And I would be fine if my favorite band sounded like Hidden Valley Ranch because it's delicious. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my favorite food, but I don't want my food to taste like the Benny Hill. Oh shit! I don't know, because if it is cake, like what if my favorite? Must you know? Say my favorite food is is uh, is uh, you know ramen. Do I want my ramen to taste like birthday cake? <laughs> no. Hmm. Um, let's say my favorite band. Say let's say my favorite band is is uh, Rocket. I, well, I guess they t- sound a little bit like Ranch I Dressing. I think they too. sound a little bit like <laughs> Hidden Valley Ranch. <laughs> I think they do. Okay, I'll go with the latter then. All right. Uh, well, that's today's show. To paraphrase, pa- pa- <clears throat> that's today's show. <laughs> To paraphrase Prince, we're not your lover, we're not your friend, we're something that you'll never comprehend, but we would die for you, count on it. On behalf of Revolting and Cycling Independent, I'm Steve-O. Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Robot.